This is the Place for a Purpose podcast. We want to help you live out what Jesus said was the most important thing you could do with your life. Love God and love your neighbor, including your next door neighbors. So we're going to keep neighboring on your mind by encouraging you with practical ways to connect with those next door so you can live knowing you've been placed for a purpose because your address is not an accident and neither is your neighbor's. Welcome everybody to the podcast. Today we have Brandon Clements joining us. Brandon is a pastor at Midtown Fellowship in Columbia, South Carolina, where he lives with his wife, Christy, and four children. He's also the author of The Simplest Way to Change the World, Biblical Hospitality as a Way of Life. And I'm especially excited to have Brandon with us today because he is a fellow introvert. So today is our day. All you introverts listening out there, today is our day. This one is for us. So extroverts, you're welcome, including the one sitting to my left. You're welcome to be here, but we need you to keep the talking to a minimum. Allow for some silence and maybe some internal processing. Who knows what might happen when we get a bunch of introverts together. But Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being with us here today. I feel like I should honor that with a moment of silence. (laughs) That's right. Appropriately, yeah. Now I'm so glad to be here, and thank you guys for having me. I feel like Chris tricked me when he wrote the interview questions because then he put me up, and it's like (laughs) now I'm in trouble for asking the first question because I was just told to be quiet. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, we're gonna turn on you at some point. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. Well, to start off, before we do a deep dive into introversion. We want to start off by highlighting your first book, which we loved and we recommend to anyone and everyone we know, especially if they're starting to dip their toe in the neighboring waters. Chris said it already, but The Simplest Way to Change the World. And it's really a book on hospitality. And I'm curious, as someone who considers yourself very introverted, because we know you, why would an introvert write a book on something like showing hospitality to your neighbors? I think it was interesting how that happened because it was a friend of mine and we were talking about book ideas and our ideas were either a book on masculinity or a book on hospitality. Those are two different. One certainly seems more feminine than the other. So really just getting a vision for hospitality is not a Martha Stewart thing. It's not a homemaker thing. It's a theology of recognition and it's becoming a person who sees people and notices people and notices the pain and the spiritual brokenness all around us and who has the eyes to see those things and to speak into those things and to initiate relationships and to not be insecure and to be the one who risks going first to build relationships with people in order to shepherd them toward Christ. So we just felt that that was a really timely and important message for our day and age when a lot of people are just glued to their screens or more worried about how they're perceived than they are worried about the needs of others around them. And we just felt it was a pretty big area of weakness for our culture that Christians have a lot of opportunity to step into and to see a lot of really meaningful impact through. So yeah, it's been a passion for a while. So when you hear the word hospitality, there's a lot of different things that can come to mind. You even mentioned this Martha Stewart vision of hospitality, a lot of different definitions for hospitality. And it seems most of those that would come to mind, maybe initially would be more of things that extroverts are better at, or you would think that extroverts would be good at. So I'm curious, what would your definition of hospitality be? And how is hospitality something that both extroverts and introverts can do? So we look at Romans where it says, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I think that's a good picture of what hospitality is. 
what I mean when I say hospitality is having a posture, a demeanor of, I want to welcome you as Christ has welcomed me. And that is something that does not require extroversion. That is something that introverts can do just as well, and sometimes in different ways than extroverts can do. So I think it's more of a posture of heart that's seeking to extend the welcome that we've received in Christ. Every Sunday at our church, we do, I guess you could call the meet and greet, but we call it passing the peace. So it's the peace we've received vertically through Christ. We're going to pass it to one another, extend that to one another through shaking hands and smiling. And so it's that picture of welcoming others the same way Christ has welcomed us. It's the moment when all the introverts in the church are like, no! (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Most hated moment. It's good for us, though. Yes, it is. And you even alluded to this, but you said that we do it in our own way. So I'm curious, what role do introverts play or unique perspective do introverts bring in the hospitality and neighboring space? I think we have an opportunity to find our lane. And so with my wife and I, my wife's a therapist, I'm a pastor. So we're both in high relational need areas where we're already tired when we get home. So when we were going through this process, we realized that we could do the big party thing, hosting big groups of people at our house. But that was not necessarily our favorite way to do this. So our more desirable way is smaller groups, one-on-one people who are connecting on a smaller scale. And that's the lane where we feel like we can thrive in. And we still do some of the hosting big stuff, but we tend to focus more on the smaller scale, more one-on-one and the more listening-oriented environments. I think that introverts really are wired in a way that can be advantageous for that because we're can be more apt to listen, more apt to ask questions, and more apt to take a genuine interest in other people and not just want to share about ourselves. So it can be a way to lean into the introversion that actually piques others' interest and gets them talking and shows that you care about them and have concern for them. So I think in a lot of ways, that's a beautiful opportunity for introverts to just different avenues. I love that. So how do you hold intention setting boundaries? For example, you mentioned that you don't have the same capacity maybe as an extrovert. If you do set boundaries with your neighbors, how do you hold that intention with the idea of laying down your life for your neighbor? I think it's a hard thing for all of us to figure out a healthy balance with. And I think we're in a place where our neighborhoods and we have these different spheres of, we live in a very tightly spaced community, but sometimes I can go months without seeing neighbors that are yards from me. So it's this weird balance where our neighbors might be the few moments I get to see them may be in inopportune times for me, if that makes sense. It may be like, well, I wasn't ready to have a conversation right now, but this may be the only chance I get in these few months or whatever. So that's a hard balance. I think for us, we've had to really think through, and this has gotten harder for us as our kids have gotten older and our kids get into more activities and sports and stuff. And we've had to change some of the ways that we think about this, but trying to find that balance of we want to leverage our home as a weapon for the gospel. We want to have our time be spent in a way that is loving and inviting people into our lives. And there is a time and a place for, hey, we need a family night or we need a date night. We need some time by ourselves because we both have incredibly demanding jobs and responsibilities. So we've had to find that balance through trial and error, I think, over the years. And there have been seasons where we've leaned too heavily in one direction and seasons where we've leaned too heavily in the other direction. And with our current stage of life, we have four kids. This fall was our first season with four kids in sports. And that was a wake-up call for us. It was four kids, at least one sport. And I was like, this is insanity. It's a lot. 
Yeah, it is. So I really realized years ago when I would talk to people and I'd be like, you can make time to do this. You really can if you want to. And then I was like, oh, they <laughs> literally have our life group that meets on Wednesday nights. And then literally every other day or night of the week, at least. And sometimes we're going in different directions on the same day. So we had to rethink. I think this phase of our life may be more the ball field or the gymnastics studio are spaces for mission. And they are spaces for initiating relationships. And I had that realization a couple of years ago when my kids started playing soccer, where I drove to the community soccer fields on a Sunday afternoon. And I was like, oh, so this is where everyone's been. They're all here. They're just all here. This is incredible. They've all congregated together. The captive audience is people are sitting on the sidelines of the soccer game. And it's like, well, this is tea for us. That's cool that you give yourself the grace to follow the Lord's leading in that way and know that you have limits. You and your wife have limits. Your kids have limits. So you're redirecting your focus in that way. Have you ever felt misunderstood when you've set a boundary or have you ever judged yourself? Oh, I should be giving more. I should be doing more. I have that constant tension of have I done the right steps? Have I done enough for certain people that I really care for and I'm trying to build a relationship with and want to see them come to know Christ? I have neighbors that I look at. My office is in the front of our house. And so I'm looking at multiple houses from my office window and I'm constantly, as I'm thinking and praying, man, I wish I would have already done A, B, and C for this neighbor. And I haven't done that yet, but it serves as that reminder to next time I see them, next time we have them over or whatever, this is what I'm praying for, for God to do in their life and for the next step in our relationship and that kind of a thing. But no, it's a constant tension of wanting to be faithful and honor the Lord and love people well with our lives. And also knowing that we have to trust the results to Him and we can't control the outcome. We can control the inputs, but not the outputs. That's cool. Over the years, as you've been reaching out to neighbors and showing hospitality, what has been some of the things you've really enjoyed about showing hospitality and getting to know your neighbors as an introvert? Or maybe there's a story that comes to mind where you're like, yeah, that was really special. I'm so glad that I took that step towards my neighbors. So one story from more recent history is this is how a discouragement can turn into more of an encouraging story. But this is a couple of years ago. I was in Lowe's getting something for our house one Saturday, and I saw this couple decked out in Wisconsin gear. And it was a Saturday in the fall. So I'm a huge college football fan. I'm a big Clemson fan. And we don't see a lot of Wisconsin fans in this area. So <laughs> yeah, it's too warm for them down there. <laughs> I was like, so Wisconsin, huh? And just somehow struck up a conversation with them about college football and sports. And generally speaking, I'm trying to find a way to invite someone to something. So this guy, he looked athletic. We're talking about sports. And I think I was just like, hey, you don't play softball by chance, do you? And he was like, yeah, I'd love to play softball. So I invited him to come play softball with our softball team. And he came around for a while. And we tried to get together with their family a couple of times. It was one of those situations where I was like, this is not just someone I'm trying to be on mission with, but I really like these people. They're awesome. I would love to hang out with them. They're not Christians at all. And this is a great opportunity for mission and was building in that direction. And the house that they lived in basically is across the street from the house that I live in now. Literally, I look at their house from my house now. But the sad part of the story is they ended up moving away. They just took another job and it was like, they're gone. So I was really sad about it because they just up and gone because of a job, which happens all the time. But then we moved into their neighborhood. So I texted him whenever we moved into the neighborhood and it was like, hey, I literally am staring at your house right now. <laughs> Wish you were here. Your old house because this is where we live now. But I was sad and discouraged about it. And then 
long story short, we started developing a relationship with the family who bought their house and realized that they had come here from the Middle East, very Muslim background, not practicing anymore, but basically started up a relationship with them. And that's been one of the most fruitful missional relationships that we've had since then. So it's just been this beautiful, I was really sad about this, but then it actually turned out incredibly well with an amazing missional relationship. And that family, we get together with them frequently and they actually love to host and love cooking. So they've invited us over for these big Mediterranean feasts more times than I can count. So it's this great thing because they love to cook and I love to eat. So this works out perfectly. <laughs> so we just go over to their house for dinner and have these incredible Mediterranean feasts that you couldn't really go out and get this food at a restaurant here. So it's just been a really cool thing. And I'm still praying for their faith and they were coming around our small group and around our church for a while. And I have some spiritual interest, but there's some language barriers and some understanding barriers where it's sometimes it's hard to understand, hard to follow. So not where I hope the story would be at this point, but it's certainly been a really cool, fruitful missional relationship that where I saw something sad turn into a really cool positive. That's really cool. I feel like this idea of curiosity about people, about place, about different things keeps coming across my path. I just keep hearing people talk about that. And what's interesting, I think for introverts, and I'm generalizing here, but the introverts I know. Well, and you can speak from personal experience. And I can speak from personal experiences. We tend to be observant. It's just how we're wired to notice things. And that was just a small step. That was just a small step of noticing and just saying, hey, Wisconsin, huh? And look what all that God did. And I think that's an encouragement to me as an introvert to say, hey, use the ways that God has wired you. And one of those ways is just noticing and then ask a simple question. Take a little step and just see what happens. And I just think that's really cool. What are some things that would be good for introverts to know and be aware of as they either want to start taking steps to love their neighbors or getting to know them? What are some unique challenges that they might face that might be like, hey, going into this, it's probably good for me to realize this and acknowledge it as I move forward? I think for me, it's been a lot of just being willing to take that risk and take the initiative and have certain things I know I'm going to ask about or try to engage people with and just choosing to do it no matter what the outcome is and being totally okay and expecting rejection to happen. That has certainly happened to me numerous times where I'll try to be starting a relationship with someone and it just doesn't pan out. And it's like, this is totally fine. And that doesn't mean anything about me. Nothing is wrong. It's just part of the process. So I have this mindset of all this reveals some of our latent insecurities. So early on, I had to really have this understanding of, I'm not looking for new friends necessarily. If the Lord brings me new friends, that's great. But this is not what this is about. I have enough friends. Sometimes I'm actually choosing to spend less time with friends because I'm trying to build relationships with people who are far from the Lord. If I'm trying to initiate a relationship with someone and it doesn't work out, that's actually expected. This doesn't mean it's going poorly. It doesn't mean something's wrong. But this just happens. This is just part of it. I've had people not return texts or whatever. And it used to bother me. And now it's like, all right, cool, moving on to the next thing. And just being aware of that probably will happen. And it's totally fine and expected. And seeing the fruit that comes from the ones that do go well and that do turn into more meaningful relationships, I think is sustaining for the long haul and for being able to commit to doing that over and over again, even when you are rejected or you don't get the response you want or when your joke falls flat, whatever it is that happens. But I think just a long time ago, I had to make this shift where I've talked about it like this too before. A lot of people actually are interested in relationship and are interested in friendship, but they just are not going to initiate it. It just will not happen unless you initiate it. 
So I've tried to encourage people before, you're actually giving them a gift. You're giving them the gift of going second. You're putting yourself on the risk line. You're taking that risk on yourself to give them the benefit. And that's a small way that we can sacrifice for others. So that gift, I hear you saying the gift of initiation. Earlier, you were talking about listening. It's a gift to listen to people. I know your life has been enriched by these relationships. You talked about sitting with that family and sharing meals, wonderful meals. But I also know from being married to an introvert that those gifts of initiating and listening and all of that can be draining. So for you, how do you recharge? Do you decide ahead of time, okay, this is a gift I'm giving, but it's going to come at a cost and I may need to spend more time in solitude with the Lord, or I need to then make the margin in my own life for quiet. What does that look like for you, the recharging part? So I think I do that a little bit organically and not as much in a structured way, but I had a mentor at one point in life who was really helpful with that. And he would literally block off his schedule and his calendar, and he would highlight things in red or green. And so red were the things that took energy from him. And green were the things that gave energy to him. So he would look at his calendar and he would be like, okay, I have a lot of red coming up in these next three days. And then he would engineer his schedule. You're like, what color am I in your calendar? (laughs) 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 And so he would engineer his schedule so that he would make sure that there was an appropriate amount of green either after those three days or in the middle of those three days or something to keep him going in a healthy way. And I think that's a really helpful way to think about it. Because if you just fill up your month with red, then you're not going to be doing this very long. I'm trying to think, what does red and green make when you mix them? (laughs) Brown. Is it brown? Well, purple brown. I was just thinking of that because a lot of times I think for me, neighboring and hanging out with neighbors, it can be a mix of both, which is really interesting. And the longer I'm in it, the more energizing it becomes. Because as an introvert, I love those longstanding relationships. And that's what getting to know your neighbors. Now, granted, people move and that happens. But I love that if I'm getting to know a neighbor and there's some small talk, which can be draining, I know that, hey, this is building towards something because I'm going to see them again. I'm going to see them at the barbecue we're having. And over time, I can see that red shift to green. But sometimes it's a mix, which is both, it can be draining and oddly recharging in a way too. I feel the same way. I have a mixture and kind of depends on the week and the context, but it can go either way for me sometimes. And sometimes I can expect something to be really draining and it ends up being really life-giving. So you just have to have a wise outlook over the long view. That's good. So being a pastor, you're speaking as a pastor. If there are pastors listening, how has God worked in your church to help people embrace this practice of hospitality and neighboring? How do you help people grab hold of that vision? So the way that we've tried to do it in our church is just to have it be part of our DNA. We call them life groups, but they're, from my experience over the past 15 years, they're two different thought processes with groups. And one is more inward focused, more closed in nature, more we're going for depth of relationship and accountability. And we're going to focus on that. And then the other one is more missional, more open, more outreach oriented may not be as in-depth or whatever, but it's going to be more focused on bringing others outside into this. So this is probably 10 years ago, but we were just like, we're going to do our best to not choose. It feels like you have to choose, and we're just going to try our best to not choose between those two things because we think both are meaningful and important. And there are different ways. You can arrange it where in a group, there's a smaller group 
a DNA group or whatever that's three people and instead of 10 or whatever, and they're meeting outside of group time for more accountability or whatever, but there are ways to organize it. But we've tried to make it be part of our church's DNA, the, the parts of our church that have been so healthy and life-giving and growth-producing for you are a lot of the one another commands that we see in the New Testament and being able to experience those things with one another. And so we want to have that be an avenue of mission for people on the outside to be able to bring them into our community and to let them experience the gospel in the same ways that you have through relationship. And in general, I think our church has really responded super well to that and just been on board. And yes, we want to see that happen. And the way that happens for us is people getting baptized through groups, being invited to groups, and then through groups multiplying. And we try to celebrate those two things really, really well and highlight this is what we're trying to see. And group multiplication is hard for us, for sure. The more close you get to people, the harder it is to multiply and to not see them as often. But we try to walk through that process and cast vision for we want to all continue to be spreading what we have and keeping some balance of continuing to be with some people you've been with for years and years, but also welcoming in new people and letting them experience the gospel as well. A lot of times the people that we see in ministry or just in positions of leadership tend to be more extroverts, I would say. And yet I think God has uniquely positioned you as both a pastor, an author, a speaker, and you speak on neighboring and you speak on being an introvert. When we heard you speak at a conference, you spoke on hospitality from the perspective of being an introvert. What are some of the things that you hear from people afterwards? Do they come up to you and say, hey, you see me? What do they say to you? I think I've gotten a lot of that. A lot of, I kind of thought this was a barrier for me. And maybe it's not really a barrier. Maybe it is a gift. Maybe my wiring is actually a gift in some ways and can be used by the Lord in some ways that I didn't necessarily think about beforehand. So yeah, I think it's a little bit of that. And I think we can just think about things in reductionist ways sometimes and the whole introvert, extrovert thing. And even with the Enneagram or whatever, it's just people can start self-identifying with, well, I'm this number, so I can't do this. And it's like, no, that's not how this works. We're all people, humans made in the image of God, and we all have unique wirings and gifts that may flesh themselves out differently. But I think we've talked before at our church, having a particular personality type is not an excuse to disobey biblical command. You can be gun-shy of conflict and conflict-averse. That does not justify not obeying Matthew 18. We can't do that. These are things that supersede any personality test. And so we have to be able to be challenged with the areas of our weakness or ways that we're not particularly wired in and still be be faithful in those areas and just know that it may look different for some rather than others. So what advice do you have for our listeners who saw the title of this episode, Neighboring as an Introvert or whatever we end up calling it, and they want to see God use them in their neighborhoods? What would you say to them? I would say embrace it as an adventure because that's what it's felt like for me. It's felt like a really fun, sometimes stumbling adventure where I feel I'm discovering some purpose and some meaning and some beauty in this direction of living life that I wasn't prone to and wasn't really expecting. But it's like, this is really awesome. And it's really amazing to see the Lord use you in relationships with people and to see just simple acts of recognition, see the Lord really bless other people through that and draw them into faith or draw them into a church community, or even just a, a level of interest of, I have no interest in really talking to a Christian 
but you're cool. So I'm willing to entertain a relationship with you. Those are all just massive wins that are really cool to see the Lord working. And I think it's a really awesome adventure if you will just step out and follow the Lord's leading and initiating relationships and trying to recognize other people and be that person who is having that theology of recognition and seeing the people who are passing by in your life. And knowing that, like you guys teach, you've been placed for a purpose and you're where you are for a reason and God has you where you are for a reason. These are all beautiful ways that we see the kingdom spreading and we get the chance to be a part of that. And it's really, really cool when you see the fruit of it. It's really cool. Wrapping up here, thought we would end with one of our favorite quotes from your book. And you say something to the effect of when we're cold and separated and distant from those around us, we communicate that God is cold and separate and distant. And then on the flip side, when we're warm and gracious and loving, we show that God is warm and gracious and loving. How have you seen that be true in your life and in your relationships? I think there's a quote. I'm not sure who it's by. I think it's an adoption or attachment related quote, but it's something like every human being is born looking for someone looking for them. So about how babies are born looking for someone looking for them and their faces light up when their mother, father, caregiver beams over them and shows them attention and that's them coming alive and that's the joy centers in their brain are exploding when the eye contact and the facial recognition is happening. And I think that I've been able to see some really deeply wounded, spiritually hurt people feel seen and feel through small, seemingly insignificant acts and conversations. What they experienced was God looking for them. They felt like he sees me and he has not given up on me. And he sent this random guy or his wife or whoever to start a relationship with me. And they feel loved and known and seen, not just by you, by the God of the universe. And you see their faces change and their demeanor change and their spirituality change. And they're realizing God has always been looking for me through Christ. And now I'm finally seeing it. That's beautiful. That's really cool. Well, Brandon, thanks so much for being with us today. And thanks for reminding us that we don't have to be extroverted and have endless amounts of relational energy to see God use us in our neighborhoods and that God has created all of us with unique personalities and giftings that he wants all of us to be exactly who he's created us to be and to follow him into our neighborhood and to reach out to our neighbors and all of who we are. Thank you again for writing the book. It's been a huge encouragement to us. Thanks for being with us here today. Thanks, Brandon. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Leave us a comment with your thoughts on today's episode or let us know other topics related to neighboring you want to talk about. Or follow the link in the show notes to share a neighboring story with us. Tell us what you're trusting God for in your neighborhood and how you're seeing God at work. You can also follow Placed for a Purpose on Instagram and you can help others find us by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing this episode with a friend. Mm -hmm.